Hey, welcome this morning. This is Resurrection Sunday. Is God good? He's great. And on this day, if you haven't experienced it already, He offers you the opportunity to join in the story of God. Is that amazing? It is. So take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 34. But before we get going, and I don't know, I'm not sure what your name is, but you're so great. She said, don't forget to release Calvary Kids. Isn't that super? Because I had written it down in my notes. Don't forget to release Calvary Kids. I'm not kidding. It's right here. So for those of you, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, children up through the second grade, if you just meet somebody Back there in the foyer, they'll uh, have a a great time of worship this morning with you. So uh, stand with me. We're going to read this passage together. It's always great to stand in the honor of God's Word. So as you guys are standing, Calvary kids, have a great morning. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their face downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thank you, Lord, for revealing to us the challenge of Resurrection Sunday. But as we read this passage and allow your spirit to work and move through us and in us, may we understand the invitation and submit to you to be part of your story, to run to the darkness with the message of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, take a seat. Everybody, if you picked up, and hopefully you have one of these on the back, and I want to thank Sharich uh, and Holly for putting this together. There's a little sermon notes thing, and you're going to fill in some blanks here. So it's not like going to school, but it's going to be kind of like going to school because there's some things that, that I want you to capture and to grasp and to celebrate as we come to know who Jesus is and what he's trying to communicate to us because it's life-changing, because we live right now in a world of grave darkness and in a very real way in the days to come you're going to find out that you're the enemy and I want you to understand this I have a great love for young people I have a great love for junior high and high school students and they're getting pounded every day with a message that you guys are wrong and I want us to affirm them as we affirm one another that Jesus story has not changed. So that's where we're going to be. And what a happy Resurrection Day. Isn't this a great day? I mean, we celebrate Resurrection Day every Sunday. But this is a special one because we have people here who haven't been here before. We have people here who maybe just trying to get acquainted with the church and seeing what God's doing. So there's a whole bunch of folks here. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you were sensitive to God's presence today. I know you're saying, well, we got up and we figured we didn't have anything better to do, so let's go to Calvary Hills Baptist Church. That is not how it works. The Holy Spirit brought you here. And we're going to use this time, my prayer is, to glorify the Lord you know, one of the great things, I became a Christian when I was about 12 years old, so that's why I think I have a great passion and compassion for young people. And I grew up in a church that valued us as young people. And I was just talking to some young people earlier today. I said, listen, man, I grew up in a youth group that was powerful. We went, there was about 40 of us. We went everywhere together. And we even had 22nd Street Baptist Church t-shirts, youth group, so people knew who we were. Because we wanted them to know about our great church. And we wanted them to know about our great Lord. And one of the great things I remember, and I'm looking around the room, and some of you are old guys like me. And can you remember some of those songs that we sang on Easter Sunday? They were just 
powerful. Man, they got you excited. And if you were Pentecostal, man, you were whatever. Listen to this. Do you remember this one? Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Christ the Lord is risen today. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Hallelujah. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. But i got to tell you the truth. A number of years ago when I was a pastor, I had a young lady in our congregation. She was a college student, and uh, she asked if she could sing this song. And even to this day, many, many years later, probably 40 years later, whenever I hear this song, Gene, tears come to my eyes. Listen to this song from Sandy Patty. It's called, Was It a Morning Like This? Did the grass sing? Did the earth rejoice to feel you again? Over and over like a trumpet underground, did the earth seem to pound? He has risen. Over and over in a never-ending round, he is risen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So on that day, on that morning, all of heaven and all of creation was in joyful praise for Jesus arose. Now stay with me. At the very same time, at the very same time, heaven and all of creation were in joyful praise. At the very same time, the followers of Jesus were hiding. At the very same time of celebration, they were terrified, anxious, afraid, discouraged, Heartbroken, confused, overwhelmed by grief, wondering, what is this all about? If you've been with us here or uh, in the past few weeks, or if you're familiar with the biblical account of Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion, you realize as you kind of read the story that it didn't even have to happen that way. Because they could have just killed him. Could have just killed him. As far as the religious leaders were concerned, they had enough evidence to just kill him because he was in violation of their interpretation of how the Old Testament was. But that's not the point of what they were trying to do. If you've been with us or you're familiar with the account, we didn't just want to kill Jesus. We wanted to humiliate Jesus. We just didn't want to take his life away from them. We wanted to mock him and embarrass him. And, oh, by the way, communicate clearly to his followers, you could be next. So what are they doing? All of creation is glorifying the risen Lord. And they, were terrified and hiding. 
And this story that we just read really illustrates the depths of despair. William Barclay, the great New Testament scholar, wrote it like this. He entitled this passage, The Sundown of a Dream. All hope, all vision, all aspiration crushed into darkness. Yet I want you to know the great purpose that the Lord led John to put this passage, or has led Luke to put this passage into his gospel was to illustrate for you and for me the power of his resurrection. First thing I want you to notice, and we're going to go to the next slide, Jesus joins us in our story. You see, the great thing about the resurrection Jesus is he is alive even now and he is engaged in your story and your personal life. Whatever's going on, whatever circumstances you're dealing with, whatever fears and anxieties you might have, Jesus is in the middle of your story right now. That's why verse 17 is so great. These two guys are walking home. It's about a seven-mile walk. And they're not happy. In fact, they're distraught. And they're hopeless. And they're struggling. And they're saying, what, what do we do next? And verse 17 is so fun. I mean, it's one of those things you say, this is just how God works, isn't it? Jesus comes alongside of them and said, what are you guys talking about? Isn't this wild? Just think about this for a minute. What are you guys talking about? Why? Well, he asked that question. Because he already knows what they're talking about. He already knows their struggle. He already knows what they're dealing with. And here's the truth I want you to know. Here's the truth that kind of helps shapes everything that's going to happen next. The truth is... This is what the resurrection of Jesus is all about. That Jesus always joins us right in the middle of our circumstance. And we're going to see that he has a purpose for what he's doing in joining us in that circumstance. Because he's the one who loves us. He's the one who cares about every aspect of our life. And he's the one who joins us in the midst of our fear, our anxiety, and our hopelessness. Here's my question. Have you been there? Have you been in your personal life where these two guys have been? Have you encountered circumstances or broken relationships or loneliness and failures that, that may have even led you to begin to wonder whether or not it's worth it to keep living? Have you been there? Do you have a loved one or a friend that as you share with them and they talk to you and you have that trust level built up enough that they can confide in you and they just say, listen, I'm just hanging on by a thread as you join them in their journey through a dark place. Stay with me. Stay with me. 
Because this is what resurrection is all about. That Jesus always meets us at the point of our need and with great compassion walks with us through the valley of darkness and hear me clearly, invites us to a different story. Go to the next slide. He invites us Not that our story is not important. Our story is vitally important. Our story is crucial to what's going on in our lives. And we've got to come to grips with the fact that Jesus knows our story. He knows our pain. He knows our struggle. He knows our suffering. And he says, I got it. But hear me. I'm going to invite you to a new story. And it's my story. Is that amazing? Look at what the verse says. These guys just lay it all out there to him. Don't you understand? This is all that's going on. And, and we're giving up. We quit. We can't go any farther. We're hopeless. There's, there's nothing going on. Somebody told us a story about seeing Jesus. We didn't see Jesus. And we can't trust women anyway. So thank you very much for their contribution. Essentially, that's what they said. That's what they said. And Jesus says this to them. Now, notice he doesn't pat them on the head or say, think good thoughts or be positive. He says, how foolish you guys are and slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. And look at what he does next. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, listen, everything changes. Now we have an invitation. Circumstances, he didn't say anything about the circumstances. But he said, I'm going to invite you to a new story. I'm going to invite you to a different story. I'm going to invite you to my story. So if you fill in out your little book, it says, Jesus invites us to join his story. So here's what we're going to spend our time on. We're going to talk about because it impacts every single area of your life. And as I think about our young people and the struggles they're going through, if you guys can grasp this and you guys can make it your own, it changes everything. It changes everything. He's going to invite you to his story. So stay with me. Here we go. Next slide. Jesus' story for us, it affirms our identity. To me, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. And if you've ever watched that little series, I invite you to watch it. If you've not watched it, it's called The Chosen. This is a powerful, powerful verse in the very first episode. Listen to this verse. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Now, this is what the Lord says. He cre- who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. 
I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Just let that kind of resonate for a minute. Boy, all kinds of things happen into our lives. And Jesus in his story invites us and he says, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be ugly. But know this. I redeemed you. I redeemed you. And you are mine. And then we say, okay, what does that mean? Oh my gosh, it gets even better. Then we go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is one of the verses that I love with all my heart because it goes like this. Therefore, verse 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become Hear me. You know what that just said? Isaiah said, you belong to me now. It's my story for you. No matter what anybody says, no matter what you're going to encounter, I redeemed you and you belong to me. And oh, by the way, I'm not just saying, hey, thank you very much. I'm going to recreate in you a new life. That means everything that happened in your life, everything that was said about you, everything that was said to you, every circumstance that you experienced when you come to Jesus Christ, it's closed. And we're in a new chapter. And we're in a new story. And there's going to be scars that you're going to carry this junk around. But that's okay for when Satan brings back those memories to you because that's what he likes to do. You have the ability to say, I know that, but I don't live there anymore because I am created in Christ Jesus as a new person. I don't need to think about positive thinking. I don't need to visualize someplace peaceful and quiet. I need to see Jesus in me. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm here now. Pretty good beginning, isn't it? Pretty good invitation to a new story. But he's not finished. He's just getting started as we look at the Word of God. First thing, he affirms our identity. Go to the next slide. He provides a foundation for what in the world we're supposed to do with our life now. Because it's not just the same old, same old going through the motions. In fact, I heard a guy last week, we have a decision to make for contemporary Christians in the church. You have to decide if Jesus is going to be king or if he's just going to be a hobby. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because if he's going to be king, then this is what happens next. All Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 all Scripture is God-breathed, and listen, is useful for teaching, rebuking. Rebuking means, hey, come on back, reel us in, I got that. Rebuking, 
correcting our mind, correcting how we think about ourselves, how we think about who God is and what he's doing, correcting us and training. That's another word for equipping. The purpose of Jesus calling you in his story is you understand who you are in relationship to him and you understand that you have value and purpose now because God placed you here to be one who proclaims him as the visible presence of Jesus. Why? Because as his servant now, you are going to be equipped for every good. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? I don't have to worry about my next promotion. I don't have to worry about uh, my friends, except as I want to influence them and encourage them to come to Christ, because I'm in God's hands. He knows where he's going. I'm going with him, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. He's got it, and he's going to work it out, and he says, no, by the way, you're going with me. Isn't that pretty good? So in the middle of every single circumstance, struggle, problem, whatever we're going to encounter, Jesus says, I've got this, I've got you, I'm going to equip you to deal with what's going on. He's not even done yet. Go to the next slide. Jesus' story provides our nourishment. This is a great story in the New Testament. Remember that story, and, and you may not remember, so I'm going to share it with you. After Jesus is baptized, the Bible says the Spirit compels him to go out into the wilderness. Why? Because he and Satan are going to have an encounter. They're going to have this mano y mano kind of thing going on, and they're going to have this little discussion and an argument back and forth. And here's what Jesus says to Satan to kind of say, Satan, let me help you out here, brother. He says in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So if I want to know how to live in these days, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of everything going on, I've got to find myself in the Word. And as I find myself in God's Word, and one of the things we, we're leading a little class now, one of the things we're teaching our class members to do, two things. One is learn how to have a daily devotion with the Lord. Because if you want to know what's on God's heart, you might want to find out what in the world he's saying. So we have a little devotional guide about this is how you have a daily devotion with God. And then the second thing we're going to teach him, they haven't gotten there yet, we're going to teach him, Angelo, a sword Bible study. It's a great Bible study method because what it does is it helps us learn how to feed ourselves. I don't know how a Baptist ever got the idea that it's the preacher's job to teach the people the Bible. It is not. It's the preacher's job to say, get in the Bible for crying out loud and learn what it says. And the sword Bible study method is one of the best methods to do it because you're going to see what happens when it actually takes place in two guys' life here later on in just a minute. When they hear what God's saying, they apply what God's saying, everything changes because that's our nourishment. And one of my favorite psalms, it goes like this, Psalms 1. Those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate on his law day and night, is like a person, a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. That's the kind of life I want to have. I can't change circumstances. 
I can't change what people do to me. I can't change what people will say about me. I really, you know, being a pastor, and those of you who have experience as a chaplain or a pastor, we like people to like us. I mean, that's one of the things we want to do, connect with people and share with them God's love, and hopefully they'll like us back. It doesn't work that way all the time. In fact, people can be pretty ugly. And all you're doing is telling them about Jesus, but they, they can get pretty brutal. But you know what? That's not the defining moment in a Christian's life. The defining moment in the Christian's life is how do we engage God's word and allow his Holy Spirit to equip us to deal with what we're going to deal with. If you haven't experienced yet, it's coming. So get ready. And we already really read that the Lord says, hey, I gave you this word to equip you to get ready so that when things happen, you're going to say, okay, I can deal with this. Not because it's me, but because I'm in God's story. So, oh, we're not finished yet. He's got more to say. Go to the next slide. Jesus sustains our hope. Romans chapter 15. Listen to this verse. This is, this is about as applicable of anything we've said. It kind of ties it all together. Are you ready? Or every, and I hope you're filling out the blanks. That's why I want to thank Amber because I realized I didn't underline those to fill out the blanks. So I had to send her the whole PowerPoint slide last night. And she was so gracious and kind to fix it for us. So thank you, Amber, very, very much. His story sustains our hope. Verse 4. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us are you ready? So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Bad things are going to happen. Circumstances are going to happen. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. Tragedies and suffering are going to surround us and engage us. And I confess, when somebody comes to me and they say, why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? I tell them, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Your foundation and my foundation, your confidence, my confidence that even in the darkest times, the Lord is faithful. And we trust Him. That's our hope. Are you ready? So what happens next? Two men who are discouraged... Two men who are terrified. Two men. Somebody said, well, you know, they might be a couple. I don't know. Two disciples <laughs> who are hopeless. Two disciples. They're at the end of their rope. And Jesus shares with them his story through the word. And then he 
meets with him. He's going on, and they said, oh, wait, Jesus, don't go out there. It's dark. It's dangerous. Stay with us. Stay with us. And he said, okay, I'll stay. Well, let's have a meal. Okay, let's have a meal. And he breaks the bread. Hmm, let's see. I think I read somewhere where this is also bread, right? He breaks bread, bread, real bread, and all of a sudden, boom, they see it, and he's gone. Because that's how it happens. When God speaks, he doesn't stutter. When God transforms, he transforms like that. And they were transformed. Isn't that wild? This is how it happens. When we meet the risen Lord for ourselves, transformation and restoration takes place at that moment and we believe the word of God we trust the word of God we live out the word of God and we experience his presence within our lives and look at what they do next here are two guys who a while back said Jesus don't 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 go out there it's dark it's scary it's bad. There might be some bad guys out there. Stay with us. He said, okay, that's fine. Let's stay with us. I'll stay with you for a little while. Now, this is so much fun. So, they experienced the Lord. And he gave bread, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us while he talked and rode and opened the scriptures to us? And then the next verse, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. The sun had not come up. It was dark. There might have been bad guys out there, but they didn't care because they had met Jesus, and he changed their lives. One of the great songs that I learned many, many years ago, and, and, and in fact, I was in Kansas in training, and it was a boring class at the Army. No, I shouldn't say that. It was one of those events, you know, that the Army says you have to do to check the block. And so I was there. And a young person was riding with me, and she said, hey, Jeff, I want you to listen to this song. And she played this song, and from that point on, this was probably back in 1994, so that's a long time ago. I love this song because to me it characterizes what happens next for you and for me when we experience the Lord. Go to the next slide. It goes like this. Carry your candle, because when you experience Jesus in your life, you are the light of heaven. You are the light of God. You have a candle. And Jesus said, don't hide that doggone candle under a bushel. Let the people see it so they might see me and glorify me in what you're doing. So here's how it goes. Carry your candle. Run to the darkness. I think, Eric, one of the most frustrating things that frustrates me in the job that I do now, 
I meet with too many churches, too many Christians. They're wringing their hands. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do next? All these bad people out here and all these people are persecuting us and threatening us. What are we going to do next? Here's what they did. Ran to the darkness. That's what we do. When I, I was here about three and a half years ago, Polly, Eric, some of these others remember that. Angel, here's what happened. God's Spirit spoke, and people chose to run to the darkness. And here you are. And here you are. Seek out the helpless, confused and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see. Take your candle and go light your world. Happy Resurrection Day. May it be your resurrection as well. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and lead us in our song of response. But as they come, I invite you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to have a word of prayer in just a minute. And um, things have changed here, so I'm still learning some things. So I might mess this up, so be patient with me. But as we stand, there's going to be someone over here uh, underneath this sign. If you're making that decision to trust Jesus to allow him to step into your story and bring you into his story. You're saying, that's what I want to do. I want to follow the Lord. I'm going to trust him to define my life. Somebody will be over here to pray with you and rejoice with you at that decision. If you're a Christian, you're saying, you know, I'm looking for a church home. I'm going to tell you from experience, this is a great place to be. This is too much fun. And, uh, and I'm, we've only been members here for a couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month, I don't know, I can't keep track of time. You know, you get to a certain age, you really don't care. You know, you're just glad your feet touch the floor. And, uh, but if you're looking for a place to be part of a community of faith that loves Jesus and is learning how to equip one another to be faithful to him, as a God leads, join with us, and that somebody will be over here to pray with you and, and rejoice with you in that decision as well. Listen, it's so important. You walk out of here today, carry your candle, run. And some of you don't have very far to run to run to the darkness, huh? You're surrounded by it. And God says, great. That's why I placed you here. Be the light for him. And oh, by the way, I'm not kidding at all. When you take the step out of the aisle, I want you to take your step, but I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to listen closely because I'm going to tell you the affirmation of God's word is when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he takes up residence through the power of his Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm going to say to you, you ought to be able to hear. You ought to be able to hear the grass sing and the earth rejoice because you our child of God in his story.